Hi, this is Blackie Lawless from Wasp, and you're listening to Iron City Rocks. Hey, this is Tom Kiefer from Cinderella, and you are listening to Iron City Rocks. episode 499 of the Iron City Rocks podcast. I'm your host, John, coming to you from the Iron City of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, bringing you the best rock, hard rock, heavy metal, and blues talk on the net. Episode 499, we're pleased to be joined once again by Mr. Chips Enough of Enough's Enough, founding member, bassist, vocalist. We're going to talk about their album, which came out in early November of 2022, called Finer Than Sin. The band is going to be rolling in to do a show at the Hard Rock Cafe on the 23rd with support from guitar wizard Xander Demos, a Pittsburgh musician who's been around for as long as we've been doing the show and shredding the heck out of the guitar. So a great night of music. Enough's Enough, a band that I, I deeply fell in love with on their debut album. And then you had the Strength album, Animals with Human Intelligence and a ton of other records. If you think that Enough's Enough somehow hung it up after the first three albums and uh, grunge came along, you'd be badly mistaken. The band also, um, we talk a little bit in the interview about their previous album, Hard Rock Nights, which is a great collection of Beatles songs and, and Paul McCartney songs that the band have kind of woven into the set list. And Chip uh, and I discussed that in the interview. So without further ado, we're going to play you a single from uh, Finer Than Sin album. This song is called Catastrophe. We'll get into the interview with Mr. Chip Sinema.
my pleasure to welcome the Iron City Rocks we have on the line. Chip's enough of enough's enough. How are you doing today, Chip? That's a beautiful day here in Chicago, Illinois. Glad to be back in the state. Yeah, it's it's a great time to be anywhere. We're finally able to get out of the house, and you guys can go back on the road and make a living. You're rolling in on the 23rd of February to do a show here in Pittsburgh at the Hard Rock uh, after the release of uh, yet another uh, fantastic album, Finer Than Sin. Um, can you talk a little bit about the, the what went into the record? You know, when the al- when the songs took shape and, and the musicians. Yeah, no problem, John. Uh, the new Enough Enough album, Finer Than Sin, came out at the end of uh, or in the middle of November of last year, and uh, we're on Frontiers Records. It's our twentieth album. You know, I see a lot of stuff in print saying, oh, enough enough celebrating their 17th album. And uh, we have more than that for sure. I'd like to at least acknowledge that because I'm sure. very proud of our, our accomplishments as, as a band and as a, a, a group that tours around the country as well. Uh, period, for the last, uh, I don't know how many years we've been out there, but it's, it's been quite a long time. So it's, a, it's been an illustrious career up to this point, And I, I always want to, let people know about our music because that's is what can leave the indelible mark uh i've put four records out in the last uh, less than two years uh the beetle record came out that one's called hard rock night right after that was followed by brainwashed generation and then i put a solo record out last year as well called perfectly imperfect which uh features performances by uh, Joe Holstra from Whitesnake and Trans-Siberian mm-hmm. Orchestra along with Dax Nielsen from Cheap Trick. And uh, the label had, during the shutdown here in the, uh, around the country, the label had um, uh, a deal in place for Enough's Enough for uh, a bunch of records. So um, I tried to knock out as much as I could instead of taking time out and just uh, sulking. I, I said, I'm going to move forward and try to make some good music. And uh, I wrote a bunch of a bunch of songs and recorded them. Uh, most of them in Chicago, some of them out in Boston, and uh, all the songs came from personal experiences that I've been through for the last four years. It's, it's not a gloomy, doomy record, although there are certainly some dark edges on this album. It's not just your pure pop album. But mm-hmm. I think it it certainly shows everything that we do as a band. Uh, pop, rock, alternative, heavy metal, it's all in there. And it's a nice little potpourri, and, uh, and this new record represents where we're at right now as a band. I'd like to believe it's a rock-solid record. I was, I'm was, i real proud of it. Only 10 songs on it, that's all we were contracted to do. And any more than that would be uh, confusing motion with progress, because at this day and age, uh, most people don't have time to hear a whole record, but I, I would love the audience to hear all the songs in conjunction, and then they can make a, a determination. Because in the old days, I know for myself, being a fan of all the rock bands that are out there, and pop stuff too, uh, I like to hear a whole record in its entirety, yeah, uh, song to song. But I know a lot of people uh, have other things they have to do, but if I can get you away from what you're doing in life for an hour, and to hear some songs, I, I think that you'd be pleasantly surprised. It's a, a, a record that we recorded here on the south side of Chicago, most of it, uh, my studio, where I live in Blue Island. 
got a nice little recording studio here. And then I went over to uh, Stonecutters, uh, which is down on the north side of Chicago, a guy named Chris Diamond, who was responsible for Kiss Revenge and Ozzy Osbourne stuff. He's worked with uh, a Prince truck full of bands, and he was kind enough to mix the album for us. It's a nice rock-solid record. Yeah, it's got. I, I noticed when I listened to it, I, I you know I think maybe some of it had to to be that in my head when I, I was listening to some of the harmonies, it reminds me a lot stylistically of some of the new material on the new Def Leppard record, which you know is high praise for anybody that listens to the harmonies those guys do. Um, when you write, um, are you someone who goes you know kind of has the notebook 24/7 with you, or your phone memos or whatever, or are you a person that just likes to sit down and, and I'm just going to kick this song on start to finish, you know, cradle to the tape, so to speak, right away. Well, John, is, I think, John, there's a lot of different ways to write. Uh, for everybody, they have their own interpretation of what they want to put down. Uh, and I grew up listening to bands from the 60s and 70s and 80s, and that was... That was in my wheelhouse. Uh, so when I'm writing songs, it, uh, it's me in the kitchen uh, or me in the front room uh, with a with a guitar. Usually, even though I play mm-hmm. bass, I, you know, I usually write a lot of these songs on the guitar. And uh, I, I don't have a notebook with me, although I, I you know, I've used that before. I, that's normally not what I do. It, you know, if I have an idea, I'll hum it into the phone. Mm-hmm. And then I'll reach out. If it's cool, I'll reach out to it later. And if it's something that's really good, I don't have to do nothing because it'll it will stay with me. Uh, but I've, I wake up in the middle of the night, I find myself with these ideas, and I immediately get up and I go lay them down. Yeah, you gotta... and that's pretty much how how I do it. To be honest with you, there's so many projects I work on. I'm producing a, a lot of other bands too and making records, so. Uh, if, if I find a window of opportunity, I try to lay it down as quickly as I can. But uh, for the most part, it's just uh, me singing and playing, and I put pen to paper at, uh, afterwards. Uh, but everybody's got their own ideas. You know, these songs are like embryos. It's the beginning of a relationship. Every single one of them, I think Enough Snuff has recorded almost 300 songs now. Yeah. I, and I've never counted, but I know it's quite a bit. And, and it's very... Uh, uh, I don't want to say prolific, and because we wrote, we've written a lot of songs, but uh, in the early days, Donnie and I would, were just constantly writing machines. We had little eight-track Fostex, and we'd sit in the studio and smoke pot and just lay down songs, yeah. like most other artists that uh, are out there. Uh, of course, they don't want to. Uh, they're afraid to show those warts and scars. Uh, we're not. We're very transparent, and the songs just come from everywhere. Uh, there's a lot of uh, subject matter to write about, so uh, yeah. still coming up with a lot of ideas. i got to come up with another record right now. I have a wonderful new plan on the next album that will, I think uh, most of the audience will be pleasantly surprised because I don't know any bands that have done what I'm going to do next, and I can't tell you what it is because it would spoil the surprise, but it's really good, and, it's, um, and it pays respect to uh, our legends from the past. Yeah, that's it. Sounds cool. I mean, that, it's always kind of interesting to hear how inspiration hits people, and, and, and amazing how often you hear musicians say they kind of stuff comes to them when they're sleeping or they're just waking up, and then you you just want to hurry up and and capture that idea before it's gone. 
Um, when, when you do vocals, do you tend to, like when you're putting a song together, you're worried about the riff, the chord progression. Do you just kind of scout out vocal melodies and go back and try to put lyrics to it later? Or are you a person that maybe the lyric might spawn the whole blessed song? Well, it could be just a certain metaphor that I hear that, that trips my trigger. Yeah. But for the most part, if I have an idea and I go in the studio and I don't have anybody with me, just I'm by myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll play the guitar part and then I'll sing the melody line on the guitar, and so, then that gives me that I'll remember the melody then from there, and then I can find I can navigate much easier that way. It's funny you say that because I don't know anybody else that does it like that. I'm sure others do. There's so many great writers out there, wonderful yeah. musicians, girls and guys who just can play and sing their asses off. Uh, that's pretty much the the template for me. It's real Sesame Street in the studio, one guitar. Play the guitar part. I already know what a melody line when I'm going to play, and then I actually play that melody line after I lay down the rhythm track, and then I'm I'm good for that until I have to go back to it and lay down the rest of the stuff I need to do. A lot of it's done in house here. Yeah, uh, it's it, it's not uh, rocket science. Yeah, uh, the songs those are the ones that are difficult, and I read stories about Elton John or or uh, the, the Carpenters. How they just they all they all they do all day is hunt for songs, and I find myself in as I get older doing the same thing every day with whether it's on TV and I hear a commercial and something spawns an idea. Van Halen did it too. We all yeah. do it. We're all guilty of it. We, you know, listen, we all swim in the same. You know, most of us are swimming in a lake, but some of us get a chance to swim in the ocean. Uh, we're all doing. We're navigating the exact same way. Yeah. Uh, just trying to find these songs, and I, I like throughout the years of finding bands that put together whole records and not just give me one or two good songs yeah. on the album. Yeah. I, I want the whole Shabab where you put it all together and you go, wow, this is a, uh, there's a nice storyline right here and it all works together chronologically. That's the hardest thing to do. Find the songs that where they all fit together and it works as one. Yeah. And I, I think one of the things that, you know, when you look at the legacy that is Enough's Enough in, in your songwriting is that they're about the songs. You know, there, you could say many bands that came out, you know, and, and got their debut in the era where you did in that 1989, 1990. It was a lot about the guitar solo, maybe the riff, you know, which has its place. I mean, there's some awesome guitar riffs, but when it comes to, you know, I want to sing a song or, you know, the melody, you know, and that sometimes I think is the part that, that you know, I always envy is, is the guy who can come up with the, the the melody that you walk away singing. You know, even if you don't know the words, you're, you're making up words or you're humming the thing. or You know, you, you mentioned commercials. I think about that, that Burger King commercial that's on right now. Incessantly, whoever wrote that, you know, it's an annoying commercial, but boy, you can't get it out of your head when you hear it. You know, that, no, that's a imagine, gift. Imagine this. Yeah, imagine a sync licensing right there. I love, we have so many songs, I would love to see us be able to get our, our material out there and, and somehow uh, get some sync licensing where we could find a home for all these different songs and ideas that we have. And we can, there's just, it's, it's, there's a plethora of stuff out there, whether it's movies yeah. or soundtracks or TV shows or commercials. Yeah. There's, uh, we have a marathon worth of songs and it's, you know, let's face it, uh, we have a great collection uh, throughout the years that we put together, and I think it would be good for not only uh, 
those things I just mentioned to you, but also for other bands to cover our songs as well. I think there's a, we can house 20 bands out there right now where you could have a career. There's so many great songs. The hardest part of the whole thing would be uh, to record those songs properly because uh, some of them are very intimidating because the performances are pretty strong. Yeah. Yeah, they're not, uh, especially I mentioned earlier some of those harmonies, you know, that, that bands, you know, would need a couple tapes to do that live. Um, if I can take you back to to the uh, the Beatles album, or actually I should say more of a Paul McCartney album, the Hard Rock Night record, how hard was that to, to pare down the list of songs you wanted to do to not make that a triple album? Was, was that as hard as I think it might have been? Well, it certainly was a challenge. I think doing those records, uh, I found myself uh, in a position where I didn't want to uh, confuse motion with progress. I, I just wanted to come up with enough songs where the audience would understand them. They all, I wanted them all to be, obviously they're all very well written, mm -hmm. very well crafted. McCartney and Lennon and individually and collectively are, are brilliant. Uh, but I wanted to make sure that uh, we picked the songs that I, I'd be able to sing them live as well. Yeah. Because uh, it's, it's very challenging for those Beatles songs. They sound simple because uh, they're written like that, but they certainly are. Uh, uh, there's some there's some challenges there to record those songs and to get them right. Uh, and then I looked at the catalog of stuff that we picked out, and it was all stuff from 1967 through 70 when the Beatles were experiment and doing drugs, and uh, and they were very lost at the time. They get together and they write these records and boy they were brilliant they, they come up with stuff because they wouldn't see each other for a while and then they get together in a room and paul and john and george and ringo would all have ideas and they'd suss them out and find out what the best stuff was that fit the, the character of that band and the, and the template of what they were trying to do and that's what i did on the on the beetle record mm -hmm. uh it, and not many bands can do a beetle record and there's a few of them out there i know some some great bands have covered beetle songs uh Guns N' Roses did Live and Let Die, and I know Styx did uh, I Am the Walrus, and I know Cheap Trick did a bunch of, they did a whole set of Beatles songs when they played in Vegas, and I even, even added Magical Mystery Tour on one of the records. Uh, but I don't know any bands that have done a whole Beatle record in the studio uh, where with, with production, and my interpretation of the whole thing was if we're going to do a Beatle record, we're not a, tri we're not a tribute band, but right. let's just do a reinterpretation of what the Beatles would be like if they were playing today through Marshall amplifiers mm -hmm. and Mesa boogies and uh, SVTs and big drums. And that, just, that was just my thought. Obviously, the Beatles, nobody could touch them, and I'm certainly not comparing myself or the band to anything that the Beatles have done, but they were a huge influence on the group, yeah. and I thought we were just paying respect to our forebears. Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned the difficulty in reproducing. I remember speaking to Phil Suzanne of Last in Line, and they did a, a cover of The Day in Life. And, you know, at the time, I remember asking him if they were going to include it in the set. He's like, we really need to work that song out to make sure we can do it live. Um, so, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's not an easy task. Is I, I know you played uh, several of those songs live. Is there one that maybe you played live that was more fun than you thought? I know you played Jet live and... and you know, some of those other songs. Was there one that, that kind of stands out as is your favorite to play live? Not necessarily your favorite song, but the favorite to play. Uh, I, I actually I was really quite surprised by the approach we took on Eleanor Rigby because it was mostly a string arrangement mm -hmm. when the Beatles recorded it. 
and obviously uh, our approach on it was a reinterpretation of the Beatles. Want to do something that was that was Beatles still, but it was a little different uh, right. and uh, more of a rock approach to it. Sure. And that one was uh, that one was uh, certainly. Uh, inspiring to me i think it's a wonderful song very well written great story uh and uh live when we see us play it live most rock fans are uh they touches their attention quite quite rapidly as soon as we come in we start with the chorus and uh it's powerful it's really it's bombastic and and i like to have that in the set every single night because uh, the new generation thinks it's us. If we wrote yeah. the song, you'd be surprised how many people think that those Beatles songs were written by Enough's Enough. And when you come see Enough's Enough show now, you get we still play all the singles that we had in the MTV hits, mm-hmm. Baby Loves You, New Thing, Fly, Michelle. But when you mix it in with those Beatles songs, it's like a whole set of hits. Yeah, And it really ch- changed the whole dynamics of what Enough's Enough is all about. And uh, that makes me excited for the future because we can go out and if we want to play some of the Beatles songs, the Enough Snuff set, that's great. The fans seem to love that. And if we just want to go out and do all Beatles songs, we can do that as well. Not many bands uh, have that option, and I and I quite enjoy that. I like when we go out and we do the Beatles rock show and just play that whole record in its entirety. It's, it's, you see, so I see people out in the crowd crying. They love those songs. It brings back memories. Yeah, uh, that's got to be a blast. And you feel you, you, you're, a lot of your fans you know didn't never had the opportunity you know we you may have seen paul mccartney you may have seen ringo you know george harrison maybe but you know collectively some of these songs we've never seen played live um you know so it's a great opportunity chip i want to thank you so much for your time you're going to be here on the 23rd hard rock cafe here in pittsburgh beautiful part of the city to do a show and uh, folks can get finer than sin now um i'm assuming you'll have so that maybe Vinyl or the CDs of that at the show, people can pick up. Uh, perhaps I know that we definitely want to reach out to the, our, our fans and uh, brothers and sisters to come out and see the shows. Pittsburgh's always been great to an ups and up. We've done a lot of benefit gigs out there. We played big concerts out there, opening for Poison and Def Leppard and sure. some of the bigger bands. And I, I think we'll have a pretty good audience out there, and uh, it'll be a real celebration when we come out and it'll be the first uh, uh, show uh, in Pittsburgh in quite a few years. So Yeah, it's, it's been uh, a... We'll be it's, playing, we'll, I'm sorry, go ahead. We'll mix it up. Well, I just, we'll mix everything up uh, when we do that gig. Uh, we'll we'll play stuff throughout the Enough Snuff catalog and we'll do some of those Beatles songs as well. Fantastic. Well, Chip, I want to thank you so much. We will see you in just a little over two weeks, man. I appreciate you talking to me, uh, and uh, I wish everybody a happy new year. All right, again, a thank you to Chips Enough. The band will be in town on the 23rd of February. Obviously, going to be doing a great show down the Hard Rock Cafe. Should be uh, jam-packed with Enough's Enough and Xander Demos Band uh, providing support that night. You can check out our website for ticket information. If you go to episode 499, we'll include links not only to Enough's Enough site, the the album, tickets, uh, whatever you need to know about the show you can find on our website so that's ironcityrocks.com we are at iron city rocks on all the social media so we encourage you to check us out uh, if you want to stay up up to date on the concerts that are coming to western pennsylvania and the nearby region you know we'll throw in uh, interesting shows in youngstown johnstown wheeling even eerie uh if it's if it's something that's attractive enough and isn't coming directly into pittsburgh Invite you to contact us, ironcityrocks at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. What kind of bands are you into? What kind of bands would you like to see on the show? Uh, 
And uh, we want to thank you so much for listening. Until next time when we have our Milestone 500th episode, we want to thank you so much for listening.